You're listening to the Australian Army Training and Doctrine Podcast. This is Exercise Hamill 2016. I'm Captain Sharon Maskeldare and I've come into the JFEC, the Joint Fires and Effects Coordination Centre, to meet Bombardier Lachlan Skeynes. He's the Artillery Command System Operator here. So Lachlan, for people outside of the Army, what is a JFEC? What do you do here? Uh, so JFEC is just an organisation or a group of people who have been uh, put uh, into a vehicle or a hard standing environment. Uh, within that environment they uh, gather information from other uh, people and or assets out in the battle space and with that information they can coordinate whether to strike or, or fire on those uh, targets with a number of different uh, weapon systems we have available to us. You talk about different weapon systems, so what are those systems? Uh, so some of the different weapon systems that we have available to us are the 155 Howitzer, uh, which is in generally just a, a large field cannon. Uh, we also have uh, 81mm mortars, which is used by infantry. And then on top of that, uh, we have air platforms such as ARH Tigers, F-18 Hornets and other air assets that could be available. How do you coordinate them then? You've got lots of equipment here. Talk us through what does what. So uh, some of the uh, basic equipment, or well, the main equipment that we use uh, for the coordination of the effects is uh, an electronic computer system which takes a, a GPS coordinates of our live uh, people out in the battle space and we can see them generated on a digital map. Uh, this is useful uh, to give a general understanding of what's happening and not having a map we have to keep continuously drawing on it. Also within this system it gives us electronic and ballistic firing data which we can pass on to the weapons and it does all the calculations for us so we can engage those targets. What kind of training did you receive then to use this system? So I've received about uh, three months worth of training down at uh, Pakapanya where the School of Artillery is located. It's broken down uh, easily for people transitioning straight into the army so they can uh, take up the skills adequately and with good pace. Did you have a background in computers then before you joined the army? Uh, Not in such. I'd use them as any uh, teenage high school student would but uh, not uh, in-depth knowledge and I did not foresee that as something that was required to uh, get me into this job. It sounds like you need to be quite competent in the technical space to do this job. Uh, yes and no. If you have a, a general understanding of the way the computers work, I believe you'll have no uh, real problem advancing through the stream that, that I have. It comes from all different levels and people with a higher level, they exactly the same. I don't foresee it as a, a handicap to have a severe IT advantage of others. And what do you then do on a day-to-day basis in this job? What does it require you to do in terms of operating this kind of equipment? Uh, in terms of a day-to-day a routine operating the equipment, it requires constantly updating uh, where your friends are within the battle space, we call them friendly units, and also if there are targets that have been uh, brought to the attention overnight or have been generated. So the dissemination of those and making sure everyone's on the same page in relates to where everything is And how closely do you work with Air Force, given that this is a joint fires and effects coordination centre? Working with the Air Force varies depending on activity and or the outcome of the exercise that is required. We work with them a number of occasions. Uh, An example would be uh, a shoot we did last year which uh, qualifies uh, persons for a JTAC course. That's a a course where people not only controlling artillery uh, will also control aircraft and they work uh, simultaneously uh, to achieve the effects. And on an exercise like this, on exercise Hamel, how are you using this equipment to achieve your objectives? Uh, on an exercise such as this, uh, especially the APTAD system which is using the JFEC, uh, coordinates and helps uh, those 
soldiers and or purse moving on the ground and uh, can help them with fire systems and just track their locations so that if they require uh, reinforcements and or a fire support, uh, we can provide that with them in a timely manner. What about the fact that we have other nationalities here as part of this exercise? Because you're not just working with Australians, you're also working with New Zealanders, with British and with US forces. Uh, so with the uh, JFEC, we are working uh, directly with one of the uh, US uh, attachments out here. They uh, also have APTADs, which is the same system we use in the JFEC. One of the hurdles that we've encountered with that is they're using a newer software version of what we're using. So we've had to adapt and overcome and trying to amalgamate the two systems together to achieve the desired effects so we can talk directly to them and link them in with us on the battle space. Thus far up to Hamel it, it's been generally pretty quiet in the realm of uh, artillery and other fire support being mortars. Uh, this is just due to uh, the posturing and manoeuvring of other people uh, around the battle space and not the requirement for offensive support. I foresee into the future through the last half of this exercise that uh, artillery and mortars will be firing and are doing fire missions a lot more uh, due to the fact that manoeuvre arms will be conducting their clearances of objectives and doing their fighting on the ground and they'll be calling in artillery to support them as they do that. What are the benefits then of being part of an exercise like this? What do you get out of it? One of the biggest benefits I see for myself, especially in exercise like this, is the integration and being able to see how other units work and how you directly impact those. When you're back in barracks and you're just going out with your own unit, you're only specifically focused on doing one task. You come to an exercise like this, which is a multi-unit, and you go out and you see exactly why you're doing your specific role, and suddenly all the jigsaw puzzles fit together and you're seeing what the overall outcome is going to be. What have you learnt so far then? I've learnt that uh, artillery is such a high value target that we go out field with our own battery exercises and we fire uh, numerous missions, continuously firing, etc, etc. It's just to improve ours. When you come to an exercise like this, you notice that artillery is one of the highest value targets and it's very rarely unmasked and unused because we value it and it's only used in precision targets when we need uh, that dire advantage uh, to clear that objective. And how has it been for you working in such a large-scale environment with all these different elements, different nationalities? Um, it's, it's been good. It is a challenge and it's very, it's very eye-opening. I always take an interest in seeing how we integrate into other people and how they work and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and the comparisons and the differences we have. It's, it's always good to see and uh, work with other people around the Defence Force. What have you learnt then in particular about the way the Australian Army operates? I've learnt that no matter what the terrain is, no matter, no matter what the weather is, uh, the boys will always get it done. You always see them smiling no matter how hard the times seem. Uh, they just keep going through it. It's, it's a good thing to see, especially when all your, your mates are out here and you're all trying to achieve the same thing. But it's still at the end of the day, you all just want to go home. You say a smile on your face. Has that been you? Have you had a smile on your face the whole time? Yeah, I, I would say I've had a smile on my face throughout this whole trip so far, so I hope I can continue for the rest of it. Tell us a bit about your own journey. How did you come to get into the Army in the first place? Uh, so I had a little bit of a, a setback when I initially uh, joined uh, the Defence Force back in the day. That was uh, 2011 now. I was still in high school, a very young, cocky uh, a teenager. Big aspirations to join the Defence. So I was unfortunately uh, knocked back when I got to my officer selection board. I was told I was too, too young and cocky. Come back when you get a bit of life experience. I'm not going to lie, I took it a little bit to heart when it initially happened, but now when I look back at it, I can understand and see exactly where that comment was made from. So upon my 
uh, unsuccessful application to go through officer, I uh, thought, okay, I'm going to take in what this person said and I'm going to go through the stream, mature a bit, grow up, understand exactly what the Army's about, see how it trains you, makes you a different person and goes through that. So I started my journey into Kapuka on the 12th of November uh, 2012. I completed all of my training segments, uh, including my basic training at Kapuka and my initial employment training at uh, Pakapanyal in uh, Victoria. And uh, I ended up getting posted to my a unit up in Townsville. So I, I was very chuffed I got Townsville. I originally grew up uh, just outside of Toowoomba, so being back into Queensland, it was pretty good. The weather's always good, always hot, I can't deal with the cold, so I was very happy to get away from Pakapanyal. Now looking back on the 17-year-old that you were when you first applied to join the Army, how old are you now? Uh, I'm 22 now. So. 22 now. When you look back on the 17-year-old, what's changed? I'd like to say a fair bit's changed, but I started noticing changes in just how I acted probably my first or second year back up in Townsville when I started getting put on promotional courses, given a bit more responsibility and how I was dealing with it and just how I was getting reported on by others. It was good and I started doing quite well at some of my promotional courses and then it resulted in uh, myself getting promoted the first time to uh, a Lance Bombardier uh, just before my 21st birthday last year and just recently I promoted the Bombardier about two or three weeks ago. So I guess going by that and going by the reporting of those, you can see how the Army, through its training and through my motivation, how I've carried myself, has taken on the advice given from that day back in 2011 and I've built on it and I guess that's the person I am now. You described yourself at 17 as being cocky. So did you have to stop being cocky? Did you have to change your personality in some way? I wouldn't go as far as saying changing your personality as per se. I think it's about all moderation and how you perceive yourself at certain times. There's always a time and place for everything. I would say that, yes, I am still cocky. I am still quite self-confident. But I'd like to think that I don't come across that way that it's taken as arrogance. There's always moderation. When we're doing work, it's, it's all about the work. Whereas if you're out having leisure activities or having a few beers with the boys or at a work function or something, you can just relax and not have to worry about being uh, a so on the ball. But it, it does come down to being able to define where that uh, work bracket is and uh, maintaining your stance in that and growing upon that and being professional and mature all the time. How would you describe yourself now then? Or indeed, how would other people describe you now at the ripe old age of 22? I believe what I'd describe myself as and what other people describe me as would be quite uh, different in some areas. Um, no, I, I like to think I'm a, a quite a professional bombardier at what I do. I do enjoy what I'm doing. I think that comes down to why I've gone from A to B in generally a, a shorter period of time than, uh, than some others. If you, if you love what you do, you're going to do well in it. You're going to excel. And I guess this is something that I do love doing and I vision myself being in the Army for a, a lifetime career. And what's next for you in the Australian Army? Uh, so the next hurdle I uh, plan to take on again is uh, transitioning across to become a, a pilot in the Defence Force and specifically that of a, a pilot within the Army. So what you didn't achieve back then, you're hoping to achieve now? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So the feedback I got from uh, the panel when I went for my uh, initial pilot was pretty hard felt. Like no one likes to be told that you're not good enough, you're not mature enough come back it's 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 always a bit of a setback and I guess my ego and pride has uh, taken a bit of a, a downturn from that but I've always maintained it with me and I've always built on it I've always said that I want to be a um, pilot within the um, Australian Defence Force and specifically that of Army I think the uh, Army side of that has just grown upon from being in the Army 
and uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do and something that I'm putting a lot of motivation in and a lot of effort in to achieve that. What's required then for you to transition from being in artillery to doing pilot testing? There are a few things before we actually get into the physical stages of application. So there's always an academic side. So that consists of a few academic tests based around basic to um, intermediate levels of mathematics, some general concept and some hand-to-eye coordination uh, tests to uh, make yourself suitable or give you the best chance to make sure you're eligible to uh, start the process to go on the career of being a pilot. In fact, we can hear a helicopter going overhead right now, so that might be you in a few years' time. Yeah. I hope so. I'm quite envious of that person up there actually right now. And what's it going to take for you to get there? Uh, so it's a, a very lengthy amount of training. As you can expect to uh, fly some uh, very expensive piece of equipment within the uh, Australian Army. So hopefully on the road to uh, becoming a, a pilot, I'll spend nearly uh, two years of hard training and studying uh, to make myself uh, competitive to become a, a pilot in the Australian Army. And what's next for you then as part of that process? What's the next stage that you have to go through? Uh, so my next stage is basically just uh, the Australian Defence Force testing my ability to handle situations quickly and actually put me in a plane, send me up there and then I'll see how I go. Uh, so that just, I guess, tests your cognitive learning ability, how quickly you can pick up new things to make sure that you can actually fly an aircraft before they start investing uh, time and money in you. And how do you rate your chances then of becoming a pilot? I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, I'm going to make it, but I do hold myself in a good a good value. And I've been doing a lot of preparation for this, so I've spent a lot of time, effort and money in finding resources, talking to people, gaining from experience and preparing myself for this very large career-changing journey. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Bombardier Lachlan Skeynes, thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Exercise Hamill 2016. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.